0: this uh, series, we're talking about firm foundation. What are you building your life upon and how steady, secure, firm, and reliable is the foundation that you've built your life on? We all build our lives on something. You might be building it on your career. You might be building it on your prospects. You might be building it on your hopes for the future. You might be building it on a sense of faith. You might be building it on a sense of progress. A whole different amount of things that we build our lives on but you've got to figure out and ask the question how firm is that foundation? Jesus told a story about two different houses. They outwardly look similar. They look like they're the same. They look like they've got a lot in common but one of them actually is unable to stand when the storm comes. They have the ability to weather good times and be okay when things are going well. But when things are difficult and when things are uh, traumatic, that's when everything is thrown into disarray. We have uh, this situation with coronavirus. And what it's done is it's put a storm through all of us. Our whole world is feeling the effects of the storm right now. And you have to figure out, am I going to be in the house that remains standing because it has a firm foundation? Or am I gonna be in a house that is swept away? And for so many people, they've been in that situation where you feel like, actually, I cannot go on. The things that I thought I could rely upon, they have not held up. They've not stood the test of the storm. Now, you may be here not a person of faith. You've been watching and maybe you came because of the subject of race that we've been tackling and you find that you're asking yourself big questions about what you base your life upon. Actually, what's happening right now all across, uh, not just our country, but across the world, is that people are thinking through, what do I base my faith, my life upon? And they're looking to faith. They're asking questions about faith. And faith really is the thing that we need to be thinking about. Faith, for many people, if you're not a believer, the question that you're asking about faith is, Is it really true? Is it really true? Is it something that I can base my life upon? Does it actually hold water? And maybe you look at the the Christians and you see something that is attractive about them, um, but you don't necessarily uh, know whether it's true or not. Just give me one second. Zoe, can you put the headphones on? Please. Sorry. We are live. In fact, my girls are here with me. They are doing all the technical stuff. So say hi, guys. Hi. Hi. Okay. So if you are not a person of faith, you're asking the question, is it really true? But many of us who are Christians, we're asking the question about our faith. Is it really strong? Do we have a faith that can actually weather the storm? And I'll tell you what's happening with this. Coronavirus has shaken us to the very core of our being. For some people, you have a Christian faith and you've had it maybe all of your life. But right now, it's being challenged. Many people who have faith uh, over all their lives or for a long time and now asking themselves the question, is it really strong enough? Have I got a good enough faith? And you're asking yourselves questions and you're struggling and there's challenge because you don't know whether this thing works. You don't know whether it makes sense or not. You're having difficulty and it is causing you to stay up at night. And maybe the faith that you've had up to this point is not sufficient. And So over these next few weeks, we want to look at how you can build faith. But for those of you on the outside a little bit looking in, you're asking the question, how do I know whether this thing is true or not? How do I know whether it holds water? And now is a time where you can actually examine, see whether this is something. Because we build our lives on things that are so fragile. What Corona has done is it has exposed things that were always there. We think that we can go ahead with life, with confidence, with security, knowing that we are untouchable, and coronavirus is, you're touchable. The death rate that corona is producing is roughly the same as the death rate that people experience in normal life. If you get coronavirus as a 20-year-old, your chances of surviving that are about the same as your chances of living over the next year. But there's no guarantees. Whether it's a car accident, whether it's uh, some health issue out of your hands, the random nature of life. And corona is just exposing these things, it's holding a magnifying glass up to the realities of life. We were never as secure as we thought. Our foundation for so many of us has always been more precarious than we dared to imagine. Even with the racial inequality and the systemic injustices that so many millions of people around the world experience, corona has kind of highlighted that. And it gets to the point where we just feel that the storm is coming down and we can't stand it any longer and we really need to re-evaluate. So how firm is the foundation that you've built your life upon? For so many of you, you've lost future. Some of you have lost jobs. Some of you are on filler and you don't know whether you will be going back. And if you do go back, you don't know what you're going back to. We are looking right in the teeth of a worldwide recession that is greater than anything that we have known or our parents or our grandparents before them have known. So much uncertainty. How can we build a firm foundation? Well, here's the great news. Storms, challenges, these are part of the Christian faith. And I want to just highlight a particular instance. And it happens in the lives of the disciples. And we know about it because we hear an eyewitness account. The eyewitness account comes from one of the disciples. His name was Peter. And initially, he's speaking to a young man in Jerusalem called John Mark. And then it's um, taken and it's communicated to the early church and that those first believers, as Peter becomes the leader of the Jerusalem church. And he talks about this time in their life where they had an encounter with Jesus, but it was in the very heart of a storm. The most difficult time that you can experience. It starts like this. It says, immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boats and go on ahead of him to the other side. Now, this is the the Lake of Galilee. It's nestled in uh, the north of the Israeli territory at that time. It's 700 feet Below sea level. It is surrounded by mountains, uh, the Golan Heights, which makes it a kind of wind tunnel. So there's this unpredictable stormy weather that can suddenly come out of nowhere and hit you. And so Jesus has had this experience with his disciples where they've been on the other side of the lake. They've had a crowd, 5,000 people, and he's fed them miraculously. It's the high point of their entire discipleship experience. But after this high point, Jesus leaves them and he makes them go. Carries on, it says this. He made them go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray later that night he was there alone and the boat was already a considerable distance from land buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it this is the picture that the bible gives us when you're in the teeth of a storm and these disciples many of them were professional fishermen they were men of the sea they knew the risks they they had weathered many storms but this was one where they were really struggling The Bible says that when Jesus left them, it was still light. And yet when we find them in the middle of the storm, it's in the fourth watch of the night, one of the other Gospels tells us. Now that's between 3 and 6 a.m. Again, another Gospel writer, John, tells us that they were around about five or six kilometres From And they're struggling and they're stuck and they can't go forward. They can't make head room. And they're seriously worried about their future. They're seriously worried about their welfare. How many of you right now feel like the disciples? This is a time where there's confusion, where there's doubt, where there's difficulty. In a word, this is all about darkness. We have an experience where we have darkness all around us. Darkness that we can't see. Darkness that we can't understand. Darkness that we are not prepared for. A darkness that just seeps into our very souls and threatens to derail everything that we hold dear and everything that we have looked for in our lives. It's darkness. And Jesus has sent the disciples out and that's the worst thing about it because there the disciples are on the sea without Jesus and they're asking themselves the question, Where is God? How many of you right now, if you're honest, you're asking the question, where is Jesus? Where is God that has been kind to me? Where is the God that I have believed in? Where is the God that I trusted? Because right now I'm in the storm. I'm in difficulty. I'm challenged. I am suffering. I am fearful. I am confused. I am upset and I don't see God. The worst thing for the disciples is that Jesus was the one who told them to get into the bone. They're in this situation because Jesus told them to do this. You ever been in a situation where you felt that God had called you to do something and now you feel like you're suffering because of it? Maybe you made a decision about the kind of person that you would or would not go out with and, and, and maybe look for relationship with. And you were strong and you were firm and you made a godly decision, but now you find yourself alone and upset and you don't know where God is in this. And because you have been following him, you now find yourself out in the middle of the ocean and the the waves are roaring and the wind is whipping and you are in deep distress. You're in darkness. And the Bible says that these disciples, for so many hours, they've been rowing and rowing and rowing against the wind, and they were making no progress. They had got so stuck. If I see anything right now, with particularly young people and corona, is that so many people feel like, I'm stuck. My life just got put on hold. What about my job prospects? What about my ability to do life? Some people, I was supposed to be taking a wedding last weekend off for the foreseeable future, at least another year before it's going to happen again. I'm stuck. I wanted to get on with my life. I wanted to progress. But here I am in the darkness. Where is God? Where is God? And the Bible says that they are there and they are struggling And yet this is part and parcel of what it means to follow Jesus. It's not an insurance policy against anything bad that's going to happen to you. But it does mean that when these things happen, you get to figure out how firm the foundation is. And then this story, which is a story of challenge and confusion and doubt and maybe anger against God, suddenly takes a different turn. It goes on and it says this. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It's me. Don't be afraid. And what you get here is you get dialogue. You get this dialogue that the disciples begin to enter into with Jesus. Some reason Jesus decides to go down and he's walking on the water. Now, listen, I know if you're not a believer, if you're not a church person, this is the moment where maybe you check out. This is the point where you are expecting me to say, oh, but it's a metaphor. You know, it's just symbolic. And yet the Bible doesn't treat it like a metaphor. The Bible essentially says, listen, when you're talking about Jesus Christ, you're talking about the God of the universe himself come down to live a human life. You're talking about someone who has the power to do what nobody else can do, to confound the laws of nature. And Jesus is walking on the water. If he cannot walk on water, then we have nothing to stand on. We just have some nice, easy believism and some plain platitudes. But if he is really God, if he's really true, then walking on the water is the very least of what he can do. But it's it's almost comic because as he walks past, the disciples don't say to themselves, oh yeah, well that's Jesus clearly walking on the water, like they're used to it. No, this is something which is absolutely, totally alien to them. They are utterly freaked out. They have no frame of reference for this. In fact, they are terrified. So before they were worried, now they're terrified. They're terrified because Jesus, who was away from them, is now with them. They don't know whether it's him or not. They think it's a ghost. And at this moment, he says to them, take courage. Do not be afraid. It's me. Now, theologians, would love to tell you, and it, it is true, that when Jesus says, it is me, it's the, the Latin, is the translation of ego I me, means I am and it's the word that jesus would use over and over again the phrase that jesus would use to denote his connection with god the i am sayings and that's why john loves this bit when he records the account i am and theologians will tell you that jesus is proclaiming his divinity and that the sea is symbolic in ancient times of the chaos of evil because it's unpredictable because it's violent and it's dangerous and it can swallow you whole and the theologians would love to tell you, and they're, they're right, of course they're right, that Jesus is making a kind of uh, I am statement. He is he's rejoicing in his divinity. He's giving a sign to them that he is Lord of all, that he is Lord of creation, that he is above everything, that he is sovereign. But actually, fundamentally, it's not about that. That that is happening on the margins of this story. But what is really happening, it's it's a sign of intimacy. It's Jesus saying, hey, it's me. You only say that to people that you really, really know. You only say that to someone who's got history with you, someone who doesn't have to say, well, who's me? Who's I? Those disciples, as soon as he said, it's me suddenly everything changes. Yes, I'm still in a storm. Yes, I'm still in difficulty. Yes, I'm still struggling. I'm still afraid. I still, I'm stuck. And yet somehow I have heard the faintest glimpse of God's voice. And then Peter goes on and he says this, which is a little bit bizarre, but he says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. And this is why it's all about dialogue. Jesus comes in and doesn't give an explanation. He doesn't say, Oh, yeah, well, actually, I'm doing a miracle. It's kind of a prophetic sign to show my symbolic power over the elemental forces of darkness. No, he is opening up this, this question. He's saying, I know you're frightened. I know you're worried. I know you're angry. I know you're confused. Let us talk. Let us engage. So many people, when they hit the storm, your foundation of your faith is not strong enough. You lose your faith. How many of you know people, or even experiencing it yourself, where you feel like, I don't know if I've got a faith left anymore. I don't know if I can carry on with this. Because you have found yourself in the storm, but you have not engaged with God. I remember when I was just in my mid-twenties, long time ago, that I had this one particular Time. I was young, free, desperate, and uh, here I was in Bristol. And I actually had this time in my life when thing after thing just seemed to happen. They, they, they came crashing in on me like waves. I, uh, one day, I had this massive accident. It was like Jason Bourne kind of accident. The cars up in the air at speed, the wheels are ripped off. It comes down to the ground. Next day, I'm in hospital but not because of the crash, because I had a a, a weird thing happening physically, health-wise. I had to have an operation, totally unrelated. But the next day, I'm in hospital. Come out of the hospital, I have a reaction to the meds. My whole body is covered in rashes. It's excruciating and I lose my hearing. At the same time, I've lost my accommodation, my flat. I wasn't able uh, to be where I wanted. I I was just on someone's spare room. I was isolated from my friends. My whole career was put on hold. I was not able to do stuff. And I just felt this overpowering sense of life is a struggle right now. Life is difficult. But that's not what floored me. It was when something that I believed within every core of my being that God had spoken to me didn't work out. And suddenly all of my faith is up for grabs. And I'm just thinking, well, if I can't hear the voice of God, And if God's not true, and if God promises something and it does not happen, where am I? What have I got? And I can remember going out on the downs one night. I tell Kate this story and she just laughs at me. She says, you know nothing of pain. You know nothing of sorrow. So you crashed your car and you had to live in someone else's house for a couple of weeks with a rash big deal. And yet pain is subjective. You know, there's two different kinds of trouble. There's major trouble. There's minor trouble. Major trouble is what I have. Minor trouble is what you have. But it doesn't matter. It is all felt keenly. And all I knew was that my faith was in the eye of the storm. And I remember walking on the downs and I was crying out and I was crying. And I was frustrated and I was lost and I was struggling at the oars. And I felt like I was going to go under. I felt that the waves were going to crash over me. And as I prayed, I I I heard just the faintest sound of Jesus's voice. And he said these words to me, do you trust me? And that's the big question. It's a question that so many of us are struggling with right now. Do I have a firm foundation in my faith? I was talking to someone just a couple of days ago and they were saying, you know, I have been shaken and my faith in God is being challenged. But I have to think back to the ways in which he has proved himself in the past. I have to think back to the things that he's done in my life that I cannot deny. I have to hold on to what I can hold on to, because right now I'm at sea. I'm in the storm and I can remember just being desperate. But over a period of time saying, I trust you. I trust you. And there's something about Peter that he says, listen, Jesus, if this is you, and he's talking with Jesus when all the others in the, the boat, all the other disciples are silent. He's saying, if it's you, tell me to come, which, if you think about it, is bizarre. Why would that be the proof that Jesus is who he really says he is, that you, you ask me to do something that looks like suicide? And yet there's something about Peter. He's got history with Jesus. If you ask me, I'll know it's you. If you speak to me, if you give me something, I'll put it into action because that's what faith does. And then Jesus does this incredible thing. He says this incredible word. So Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. And Jesus just says, come, come, come to me. He says, come to me on the water. Come to me where you are. And again, the theologians will tell you that if you delve into that word, come, it literally means come into your own. Come up higher. Come into a new level of experience. Come good with your faith. And that one word Jesus speaks, come. And Peter begins to act upon it. And then it carries on. It says, then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said. Why do you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. And those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. What we have here is Dynamic faith. Everyone say dynamic faith. Dynamic faith. Thanks, girls. Say it at home. Write it. Put your thumbs up because this ultimately is where we want to get to. A faith which is dynamic. So you come from darkness into dialogue and then a dynamic faith. And note this, the darkness doesn't go away. The dialogue still continues because Peter cries out, Lord, save me when he stumbles and loses faith. But it's dynamic faith. What would it be like if we had a faith that was dynamic? It's the opposite of a faith that is passive. Passive faith just means that I believe in God when it's convenient for me. Passive faith means that my Christianity is a lifestyle accessory. There's a little Jesus icing on the top of my cake but it's not fundamental, it doesn't change me, it doesn't challenge me, it doesn't cause me to do the impossible. But Jesus is saying, I'm looking for disciples, I'm looking for followers who will have a dynamic faith in me, who will do amazing things, creative things, supernatural things, who will change the world, who will change the lives of those around them, who have a faith in God that gets things done, that calls out the supernatural and that makes possible the impossible. That dynamic faith, we only learn that in the storm. Peter becomes a storm walker. Some of us, we have had a difficult time with faith right now. And what you realise is that if you only have faith in God in the good times, you don't have faith in God, you have faith in good times. And if you have a faith that has been challenged when your circumstances have changed, you don't have a faith in the goodness of God, you have a faith in the goodness of your circumstances. And Jesus is calling us, come, come. Come towards me. Come higher. Come into your own. Come into a new kind of Christianity. If we are to see the kind of change that we want to see in the world, if we are to challenge the systemic injustices of those that suffer, that those who have someone's weight bearing down on their neck, we cannot do it in our own strength. We need to come as Jesus calls us. And as Peter goes, as we say, he, he falls and he loses his courage and, and he looks at the wave and he thinks, this is crazy. This is not right at all. And Jesus says, you of little faith. And I'll tell you this, I'm willing to stake my entire reputation on how Jesus said that. Because if you think for one moment that Jesus says that and he's stern and he's judgmental and he's wagging his finger and says, "You little faith, You have not known Jesus at all. Jesus is intimate with these his followers. He knows them like no one else knows them. And when Jesus picks Peter up and lifts him up, there's a glint in his eye. And he says, you have little faith. Because it's like this most incredible thing that they've been through. And Jesus is giving him just a gentle nudge, a gentle dig. You you always have this struggle with faith, don't you, Peter? And I know, but look at what you just did. And I can bet my bottom dollar that when Peter is telling the story to John Mark and when Peter is telling the story to the disciples, he gets to this point, And then it's like the punchline. And Jesus turns to me, I've literally just been walking on water. And Jesus says, your little faith. And Peter bursts out laughing, the disciples burst out laughing, everyone bursts out laughing because it's this kind of wonderful moment that encapsulates what faith is all about. It's not the absence of doubt. It's not the absence of darkness. It's not the absence of struggle. It's not the absence of pain. But it is somehow holding on to Jesus no matter And we're going to examine how we create this kind of firm foundation, what that looks like and and what it means to have that kind of firm foundation. Next week, we're going to look at the topic, Pebble Rock, of the person of Jesus. Is that reliable? And if you're not a believer, then you need to know this. You, You need to get engaged in that dialogue. The week after, dude, where's my future? What does it mean when God's plans look like they're not happening and you've lost your future? We're going to be going back into the history of God's people to look at that. And then finally we end with a new hope. And you're gonna hear things about heaven and earth and the future which you may never have heard of before but will change you forever. Because we have to have a firm foundation of faith. And this is the thing with faith, it doesn't matter where you are right now, you can always build it from scratch. It doesn't matter. Even if you're in the middle of the storm, you can construct a foundation around the person and the promise and the plans of Jesus that will stand due in good stead. And even now you can rebuild. Some of us, we need to rebuild. But here's the vision. We come out of this time and we are storm tested. We're battle hardened, we're storm tested and our faith is storm proven. That we have been through the storms and now we know that Jesus has come through. We know that what we have is a really firm faith. It wasn't just some easy believism. It wasn't just something that we got handed down by our parents or we picked up from a friend. It's not dependent on the buzz that you get from a Sunday night. It's not dependent on having a whole group of people around you. Just you and Jesus, that you've spent time within lockdown in dialogue with Jesus, with all your frustrations, with all your difficulty, with all your challenge. You speak to him and you allow him to speak that still small voice, come. We come through this time and we're people who know the reality of being tested to the limit. This is what Peter himself became, storm walker. And around about 30 years after this time of walking through the darkness on the waves with Jesus, Peter walks again towards Jesus. He's now in Rome. He is condemned to death by the emperor Nero. They crucify him upside down. And uh, church history records his words of courage as he says peace to his wife as she's crucified by his side speaks peace, speaks word of faith. And he walks on an upside down crucifix towards the Lord of the storm. In the midst of darkness, he has engaged in dialogue with his Lord. And he's found him, he's found the humanity of the divine. He's found the God who picks you up when you cry out that most primal prayer, Lord, save me, I am drowning, I'm going under. I can't breathe. I can't cope. I can't go on. Lord, save me. And we get to be those kinds of people. So we're going to pray right now. But here's the challenge. The challenge is this. For those of us that find ourselves in the storm, and that is pretty much all of us, we look to find God in it. We continue to engage with our faith. And we ask Jesus to help us show what it looks like to have dynamic faith. For some, dynamic faith means I'm gonna continue giving sacrificially to meet the needs of those that are struggling in our city and across our world. For some, a dynamic faith means I'm no longer going to play being a Christian, I'm gonna engage with it and make a difference. For some, it means I'm gonna make hard choices and I'm gonna trust God. I'm going to build my life on a better foundation than materialism or money or prospects or career or what others can do for me. I'm going to trust in Jesus no matter what. I'm going to have a dynamic faith that stands the test of the storm. For those of you that are looking to explore faith, tomorrow we have an alpha course starting. It's done by Zoom. You can do it in the privacy and the convenience of your own home but I would love to encourage you to engage with that. But right now, let us pray. We're gonna put the words of the prayer up on the screen and I wanna encourage you to pray with me. Then we're going to worship and then close. This is the prayer. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, help me see you in this darkness. Help me know you in this storm. Hear my cry and speak back to me let me feel your closeness call me to come to you in a way that i know it's you make me a storm walker help me to build a firm foundation for life and to develop a dynamic faith in you amen and father i pray for every single one of us that you would come so close to us that you would Pick us up by the hand where we have fallen, where we are in danger of going under, that you would save us, that you would show yourself to us, that you draw close to us and that we would know you in a way that we can't know you any other way in the midst of the deep, dark storm. I pray that we would come through that with a greater faith than we've ever known.